Hey there, and welcome to the show, The Confusion Experiment, a brand new podcast that delves into the many themes and topics found in my brand new book of the same name. So this is episode 20, and this is June 22nd, 2020, and this is actually the fourth week of the show's brand new launch. How we kicked it off a couple of weeks ago now, three weeks ago to be precise, was with a three-part mini-series called The Findings. The Confusion Experiment was all about seeing if meditation could heal confusion. And the actual experiment was to meditate an hour for every day for 100 days. After each meditation, grab my phone, turn it towards me, and roll some video to capture whatever it was that was coming out of me after meditating for an hour. And so that experiment yielded 18 findings, right? Every experiment has its findings, and mine is no different. So I wanted to put those 18 findings in the form of 18 episodes so that you could have a real foundation to not only what the show is about, but what the book is about and the many themes and topics that we're going to be discussing and talking about here every Monday. So if you haven't had a chance yet to get into those findings, they're all under 10 minutes. So they're super, super short, but super packed with a lot of wisdom and insight that came through me as a result of my experiment. So that is already there for you to enjoy. The other thing I'm really excited about is that I have the opportunity to do live call-in shows on this Podbean platform, and next week I will be doing just that, and I'm very excited to be able to talk with you and get your phone calls and get your input on the different things that we are going to be talking about here on the show. This is really different for me. I mean, I've, I've been a broadcaster since 1987, mostly in FM radio. I had a short stint in AM radio, which was an experience. I was on a progressive talk show in Anchorage, Alaska, and definitely not my kind of genre when it comes to radio as far as politics go, though I have to admit I would imagine that at some point we'll be going in and out of all sorts of fields of discussion, including politics, because the confusion experiment puts us in the laboratory of life. And so nothing is really off limits here. But it's just interesting for me to be doing a second show on a Monday now when I've got this other show on a Friday. So it's great to be with you. And I, like you, am walking step by step. And that's, that's really in part what's so important here. Anybody that tells you they know, anybody that professes to have answers, um, not so sure about, about that. So let's see what we can learn today in the soup of this chaos that we are in. What I wanted to focus on today is this idea of losing our minds and how that's actually not such a bad idea. One of the things about the confusion experiment that I really hope to help you grasp, understand, embody, and ultimately experience is how the mind works, how your mind works the place that thoughts have in the creation of our experience and how to ultimately learn to dismantle your mind, lay it out on the table so you can really see how it works you so you can ultimately work it. So losing our minds is not such a bad idea because the mind is filled with filters that often distort 
reality. Why is that? Because the mind is always hinged on the past, right? One of the findings talks in great detail about this truth, that the mind uses what it already knows. It uses what's familiar to it as a starting point for everything. Now, that can be helpful at times when you're needing the reference point of a past experience, but when it just runs rampant, it really doesn't help us at all, especially when we're dealing with chaos and change. And change can become a lot more painful for us than, than it needs to when the mind is in the driver's seat of change. Why is that? Because change, a new moment, has no past. It has no past. It's new. And that is death to the mind. So when, so when the mind meets change, it immediately goes to the past and says, well, let's find something back here that is similar to this. And it brings up every conceivable moment from the past to justify why this isn't a good idea. It adds to that the need for evidence and proof and, gra and graphs and success stories and all of that mental work to give you the green light and say, okay, go for it. It's a rare thing. It happens, but in my experience, it's a rare thing. The mind usually says, you know what, based on the past, this isn't a good idea. Or it says, you know what, we really don't have enough information. We better wait until we get more information. Now, of course, the thing about change is, is that the information comes when you step towards it. And that's more about the workings of the heart. The heart doesn't need to know all that stuff because the heart already has its own knowing. This is another, another one of the findings that I highly encourage you to go back and check out, the value of instinct and intuition, two qualities that have been snuffed out of our everyday experience, two qualities that have been eliminated from the way in which we know. We have such focus and such a value placed on knowing that we have successfully eliminated how our feelings know. And again, I talk about this in the findings. There are many times throughout the day, or maybe just one time in a week where you go someplace and you can feel, wow, this is really great. This is going to be really good. I'm so glad I'm here. The feeling communicates to you what is coming. It's a preview. Other times, though, you're having an experience and you're like, mm, this doesn't feel so good. That too is a preview. It's your intuition giving you a preview of what's coming so that you can make a choice as to whether or not staying in that is in your highest good. So one of the hopes of this program is to help us develop and strengthen, re-strengthen our relationship to the heart and our use of the heart in our everyday living. So have we lost our minds? When I look out into the world of effects, I would say the answer is absolutely yes. And part of why I think that's true is because we're trying to cling to something that's over. We are trying to cling to something. We are clinging to something that is over for, for a couple of basic reasons. Number one, we're afraid to let go because we haven't been taught how to let go. Number two, we're not sure what we're letting go towards. We can't necessarily feel it. And three, we have not been taught how to be in the discomfort of not knowing. So what do we do? We cling. We cling. And when we cling, 
when we hold on to what is clearly dead on the vine, what we insist on living in, when it's clear that it's over, we lose our minds to it because our minds have taken us as far as they can go, as it can go, especially if you're not inside some sort of daily practice where you are renewing your mind. I mean, one thing that the confusion experiment really, really showed me was how my mind works. And this is the thing about meditation, right? If you don't like the word meditation, then use a different phrase, like learning how to sit still or being with myself. Like, it's not about the word meditation. And what happens is there's so much already preconceived notions about meditation that the mind has that you don't even realize the resistance you have to it. It's just something in you that goes, no, that's not for me. No, I've tried it. It didn't work. It's not going to work. I don't know how to meditate. All of these reasons. And, and until you really stop and question all of that, you're just going to allow it to decide whether or not you practice the skill of being still with yourself. I can't imagine a time where that practice is more needed than right now. Why? Because it helps you, number one, become more comfortable with the distractions of the mind. It helps you practice breathing mindfully. It helps you practice a daily discipline that doesn't have a measurable outcome right? You don't necessarily see the outcomes of meditation right away, though certainly 60 seconds of mindful breathing does indeed make you feel different. But the thing that's most important about practicing the skill of being still and mindfully focusing on your breathing and just watching your thoughts go across the screen of your mind, because meditation is not about your thoughts stopping, that's never going to happen. But what happens is your relationship to your thoughts change. So when we talk about losing our minds, let's, let's lose those minds and find a new mind. Let's develop a new mind. Let's develop a new way of thinking. Let's practice critical thinking where we question what's presented to us by our minds. Meditation helped me create a space between my thought and my identity of myself as that thought. So I went from I am confusion to I am confused to there is confusion, but I'm not necessarily confusion. Big difference. It also helped me find the value of confusion, right? Because lots of times we're confused because we have too much information. We are unaware that our minds have a limit to what they can successfully take in, break down, decipher, integrate, let go of what doesn't work. And so we end up flooding ourselves with more than we can handle. This is what's happening when you, like I, at times are obsessed with the headlines. How much can we really do with all these headlines? A headline comes to you done, right? I mean, it's like it's already done. So you got to be really mindful of how much of your emotional, mental, spiritual energy you're giving to things that are already done, unless it's going to help us discuss the problem from the point of wanting a solution, unless it's going to help you then ask the question, what is mine to do in the face of this? What happens is it weighs us down. I mean, the headlines have been horrific. The videos, the images have been horrific. 
And so I'm not saying turn away and never be involved in what's happening. But I like to, as Michael Beckwith has said, I try to stay on the edge of the problem, right? Close enough to it that I can understand it and see it and describe it, but also far enough away from it that I can be available for an answer for a solution that is trying to emerge. And, and nothing new and fresh can emerge through something that's clogged, whether it's my heart or my mind. So you want to practice anything that helps you have a closer look at how your mind works. What kind of thoughts are you thinking? Why are you thinking those thoughts? Are they really your thoughts? Are they someone else's thoughts? Whose thoughts are they? That's one of the things about my change class that's coming up, and I'll post more about that in this week's episode. The change course allows us to jab a stick in the wheel and do the deep dive so that we can really have some time discerning what do we think about change? Why do we think that way about change? Who influenced that relationship to change? Is it a relationship that's working for me today as a grown adult? What isn't working about my relationship to change? What do I need to heal in my past so I can have a healthier relationship to change? It is one of the most powerful journeys you can take this summer in the midst of this chaos and change. And you can get more about that at thisawakeningspirit.com. Like I said, I will most definitely post that link with today's episode. So losing our minds. Are we losing our minds? I'll tell you, the COVID-19 situation, man, that definitely made us lose our minds. Here we are sailing along, thinking that all is well, working ourselves to exhaustion, doing a pretty good job, only feeling what we can tolerate, taking in enough of what's not right in the world to know about it, but not spend a whole lot of time doing something about it. Now, I'm not saying any of this with judgment. This is an observational comment because I'm in this with you. And then COVID comes along. And the universe puts a big old finger on the stop button. And we are freaked out, right? This is change that is imposed upon you. Something else we talk about at great length in the, confu- in the change course because, and it touches, I touch upon it in the confusion experiment as well, because as little kids, change is constantly imposed upon us, right? And we don't necessarily have the filters to understand what's happening we don't have the maturity or the tools to discern why it's happening, right? We just know change has been imposed upon us, and this is the result of that. So if your mom or dad moved around a lot because of their job, and you couldn't ever keep friends for any period of time because you were constantly moving, if, if that constant job change caused stress in the family, you will have made an unconscious conclusion that changing your job is not a good thing. Bad things happen. And that may be showing up in your life today as uh, you as an adult in a job you don't like and you want to leave, but you can't. And so you're stuck. You're in this decision paralysis because everything in you says, oh my God, we can't because look at all the bad things that might happen. While your soul and your heart are like, oh my gosh, we're done with this. Let's go on to something else. That's why we experience what I call decision paralysis. Should I stay or should I go? The Great Clash song presents to us. 
So, yes, we lost our minds because we lost all the things in the external world that we identify ourselves with and as. And absolutely real reality consequences. People losing their jobs, filing for unemployment, many people getting unemployment, some people not getting unemployment. So my point is, is that COVID had many tentacles from it. Oh my goodness. Business owners who have had to close their, their, their shops, their businesses, because they couldn't sustain, sustain themselves. Not being able to see loved ones. I mean, the list, we know the list. Change was imposed upon us and we lost our freaking minds. Why? Because the mind is obsessed with knowing and COVID came with a big fat red stamp that said, we now don't know. We didn't know a lot about the virus until we did. Then we got a lot of mixed messages, which really confused us, right? It's been a very challenging time for the mind. And that's why I truly believe so many people have been saying, I want to go back to the way things were. Even if, even if going back to the way things were was terrible, right? I mean, COVID gave us a chance to really examine, do I like my job? Do I like my life? How about this relationship that I'm in, right? I mean, it gave us this opportunity, whether we liked it or not, to really take a look at things. And hopefully, as uncomfortable as it was, you had a chance to really be real with yourself about it because it's rare to have a moment like we had. Um, And it's rare to have the opportunity and the time and to get paid for it if you got that unemployment or were still employed during the pandemic to address those issues at at such a deep level. So the mind absolutely went berserk when COVID came along because it didn't have clear answers. It didn't have a clear path out. There was a lot of not knowing. There was, besides the Spanish flu, not a whole lot to go back to that somebody was living through already, right? I never lived through anything like this. I mean, certainly the AIDS crisis, and I knew some people who died of AIDS, right? But this somehow was a much more personal experience. Then all of that added to not being able to see clearly when it was going to end. So to the degree that you can understand how COVID messed us up mentally and why that happened is to the degree that you were able to bring some compassion to your own experience. Not all the time, but as a tool in the toolbox. I mean, being unable to be with your loved ones while they're in the hospital, I'm not sure there's any tool that can really do anything about that, except maybe prayer. This virus has really taken away from us some of our most essential, encoded in our DNA needs, like connection and touch and rituals. And this is why I'll be doing another In Loving Memory program to honor those who have died from COVID. I I did that back in May, May 13th, because I needed to create a container to hold the grief I was feeling for at the time, the 83,000 Americans who have died from complications of this virus. Now we're heading towards 120,000, right? So while the mind is losing itself, the heart, the heart is simply feeling The heart is simply feeling. So this is why we say, I want things to go back to normal. 
because we'd rather be in something we know that isn't even working for us than let go of it for something we can't yet see and know how we'll be in. This is why a lot of us stay in jobs that don't work. This is why we stay in relationships that don't work, because at least we know what doesn't work versus taking a leap of faith and trusting and not knowing, but making yourself be okay with that not knowing, which is a topic we're going to get into at great length on one of these future episodes, that is for sure. So if you feel like you're losing your mind, perhaps that's not such a bad thing. If you feel confused, perhaps that's not such a bad thing. One of the things I learned in the confusion experiment is that confusion gets a bum rap. I mean, confusion has value. Confusion is very helpful. I learned that sometimes when I'm confused is because I have too much information, either because I went out and thought because I didn't know something or believed I didn't know something and other people knew better than I. I went out and asked all these people and now I have all these different opinions about one thing. I can feel overwhelmed and therefore confused. Sometimes, though, confusion helped me realize I didn't have enough information. I didn't have enough information. Sometimes confusion helps me understand that it's not time yet. Everything has its time. And confusion can be a way of communicating to us that we're trying to push something that is not fully arrived yet. And so in this Confusion Experiment podcast, we're going to learn how to fall in love with our confusion. We're going to learn how to appreciate confusion. We're going to learn the value of chaos, the potency of chaos, what actually is happening inside chaos. Because I truly believe that as we come to educate ourselves about these things we are experiencing, as we come to question our mind's presentation of what we're experiencing to us, as we start to understand that the mind's filters are always hinged on the past, as we start to understand that the mind resists change because it's a new moment that comes without any instructions and the mind always wants to know how, we can have a fresh relationship to what is. I'm not even saying that we can change what is yet, though I do believe we can. But as we choose to come into the laboratory of life every week and be willing to explore these topics, willing to discuss it, willing to stretch our comfort zone, willing to challenge ourselves, willing to critically think through the headlines and the experiences that are going on for our brothers and sisters in this country and in this world, I believe we will feel lighter. I believe we will experience a different type of clarity. I believe we'll be able to put our hands on our hearts and say, yeah, I'm confused and I love it because it's mine. And lastly, if you feel like you're losing your mind, or if you felt like you've already lost your mind, here's something to consider. There's a mind behind your mind. And that's another thing that the confusion experiment showed me. 
And I can talk all day about all of this. And at some point, I hope you choose to have your own experience of this because experience changes you in a way that information can't. Experience creates enlightenment where you become enlightened about things in a way like you never have before. Experience changes the DNA and the cellular structure within you that consequently changes you, changes your viewpoint, changes the way you look at things. And you know what they say, when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. So even if this language is really new to you and your mind is saying, what is she talking about? I would check into your heart right now, check into how you feel. How is this feeling? Does it feel light? Do you feel kind of open? Is there something in you that's resonating with all of this? And you're like, I don't know that I totally get this or even understand it, but there's something about it I understand. That, that is what is real. That is, that's where it's at. Never forget that, that there is a mind behind your mind. I always say to my clients, people who take my courses, whatever, who do you think is breathing you at night? It doesn't matter the name you put to it, whether it's God or love, a higher power, that's yours to do. But let's not get confused by the name of what it is we're talking about. Something is breathing me while I sleep. I'm passed out. I'm in another dimension. (laughs) I'm not consciously doing anything, but something is breathing me. Something beats my heart. Something is running a trillion different functions in my body temple while I'm dreaming of better days. So even if your mind resists that truth, that there's a mind behind your mind, and let's face it, why would the mind want to believe that? Because then what does that do to the mind? it, It makes it not necessary, right? So the mind is going to resist this idea that there's a, 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 greater mind behind it. But when you come from this experience and you start really delving into that, what happens is you realize that things don't originate always from your mind. Sure, a lot does. But the real juice of life happens when you open up your mind so that the bigger mind, the universal mind, the one that holds all the planets in place, the one that knows all because it is all, that mind can function through you and inspire your mind. Oh, man, that's where life gets really, really good. So let's go ahead and lose our minds. Maybe, just maybe by losing our minds, we will finally find our heart. Thanks so much for listening to the show this week. Next week, I'm really excited to introduce to you an extremely special person that I am very grateful to be able to call my friend, Kokai Nosa Kahere. We're going to get into a racial dialogue next week with Kokai. In his email to me, he says, I want to talk about unity, unity in the form of a shared experience with COVID and the grief we are feeling around the changes that are being made to our society and our everyday living because of it how we possess the tools to heal, how the goal is to expand the nervous system's ability to cope with this new reality and increasing our self-esteem based on our inherent human beingness, not doingness. Yeah, looking forward to that. Looking forward to being with you as well. Take good care of yourself. Have a great week. I'll see you next Monday.